Uh, one of the most uh, challenging things when you preach the Word of God is that uh, you sometimes come across hard passages and people want to kind of project or maybe ignore them. Uh, people have often kind of ignored judgment in the Bible. Uh, we talked about even this, uh, this past Sunday as we finished Ecclesiastes, this, this idea that, that judgment is coming and God's going to judge every, every deed, whether good or, or evil. Uh, but we, we, we never want to forget that when judgment comes, it usually comes to the household of God first. It comes to the people of God first. That's what it's saying here. When it says, Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled the oppressing city. He's talking about Jerusalem. Uh, he's talking about the city that was supposed to be marked out as God's special and unique place where God, God lived, God's people lived for his glory. Uh, now, at this time, we, we believe that the, the northern tribes of Israel, the ten northern tribes, were already kind of wiped out by the nation of Assyria. Uh, so that's kind of important as you kind of walk through this text, that God has already brought judgment upon the people of God, and you would have think they got their, got, had learned their lesson, but they had not. Uh, so God is going to bring his judgment down upon Jerusalem. And look at how God des describes his own people. Uh, he's not describing the nations who do not know God. He's describing his own people. And here's the thing, when you, when you speak about prophecy, prophecy is first and foremost to us. And I think too many times when pulpits are kind of filled across America, they're preaching out there against the world. This is, what the world. this is what's wrong with the world. This is all the things that are happening out there in the world, rather than this is what's happening in here. The, the, the word of God first comes to the people of God so that we would be judged and convicted in heart and live differently. The people of God here, verse 2, listens to no voice, accepts no correction. Uh, that's really just the, the element of pride there. I don't need to listen to you. I don't need to be corrected because I have it all together. And that's really what's exactly what's happening with Israel. We're going to live our own way and we're going to do our own thing. Uh, that is the element of pride. So if you have relationships in your life and you feel in your heart, I don't have to listen to this person, you better be careful uh, because you are being uh, succumbed by pride. Uh, that happens to all of us. All of us can be deceived. So pride is... Uh, the heart is uh, deceitful above all else. So we know that we can be deceived by our own pride. We, we want to think better of ourselves. This is what I think what Jesus is getting at. Before we, we look at the speck of sawdust in our brothers, we take the plank out of our own eyes. We want to look at our own pride first. But the people of God were not willing to listen to God's voice and are not willing to take correction. This is the whole idea of what I was trying to draw out on, on Sundays. Invite correction into your life. And are we going to be the kind of church that invites people into our life to give us rebuke and correction? And, and beloved, even, even more so in our day of all the different things that are happening in, in our culture uh, with, with race and justice and politics, we have to be willing to ask our brothers and sisters, did, I, did that post, was that post offensive? Should I have worded that tweet the right way? You know, maybe even before you hit send. How does this sound? Hey, I was about to send this to a friend. Can, is this wording right? Invite people into your life. Invite them so that we would not be like the people of Israel. Because, because they listen to no voice and no correction, what, is it, what does that show? Uh, she does not trust in the Lord. She does, draw not, does not draw near to her God. So when we have pride in our hearts, what we're basically saying is that we don't need God and we don't need God's people, that we, we are on our own. And that's showing that we don't trust God, we don't trust his word, 
and we're not willing to draw near to him. I don't know about you, but when I open my Bible and I study it and I ask God to teach me, um, I want to be changed. But there's days when I do what? I either don't read my Bible, I just focus on other things, or there's times where I read my Bible just to check things off. Hey, I did my quiet time, but not asking God to search my heart. God wants our heart. He wants our affections. You'll even see this as the text goes on. Look at verse 3, speaking specifically of, of Jerusalem. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. Uh, we don't have time to look at each one of this, but you just know that every area of Jerusalem's life is, is talked about here. And they're not doing anything according to the Lord. Officials are devouring people, not lifting them up. Judges are taking for, for themselves. Prophets are fickle. They're not saying the word of the Lord. They're saying whatever the people want to, to hear. And the priests are saying that which is, is holy, uh, that which is unholy is holy, right? Uh, Romans chapter 1. And here's the amazing thing. Like you see all this judgment in this whole entire chapter, and then you see this verse, verse 5. The Lord within her is righteous. In the midst of all that sin and pride, where is the Lord? Right there in her midst. I mean, just think about that for us. When we have maybe chaos going around us in our own personal life, the Lord is in our midst. And the Lord is righteous in our midst. But he's in the midst of our community as a whole, right? No matter what is going on in our body, we know that the Lord is righteous with us. That's the great promise of the incarnation, is it not? That God is with us. God is with his people. And isn't it amazing that when we rebel against our God, he comes to us. He doesn't come to us when we have it all together. He comes to us when we are his enemies in rebellion and in sin. And what does he do when he comes to us? He does this. And he says, come to me. Come to me. The Lord within her is righteous. You see this comparison because uh, right here in verse 5 and really the rest of the chapter, what you see is that he's going to describe God uh, a certain way. And guess what? God's people should look like God, right? That, that's, that's really how we're marked. We're marked off as Christians, right? Because we belong to Christ. We follow Christ. So therefore, we should have the same attitude, demeanor, uh, thoughts as the Lord Jesus. That's what, we're, 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 how we should look. Um, because we follow God, therefore, we're called to reflect God to the, to, the, to the nations. So the Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice, a word that we should heed. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Now, his justice is divine and is perfect. Uh, now, we know we can look around the world today and we can see injustice happening. And justice will happen until the Lord returns. But the Lord's justice is perfect. And one day, one, one day when the Lord returns, when every deed on this earth is judged, it will all be made right. Everyone will have to answer for what they've done. Justice will happen. And I don't know about you, but there's, there's days when I need to be reminded of the Lord's goodness and kindness to me. Right there in verse 5, every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn 
he does not fail. <laughs> we are going to fail the Lord. We are going to do injustice. We are going to do things which is not right. But every morning when that sun rises is another reminder to us that our Lord's righteousness will not fail. His justice will reign. Maybe, maybe to make that a practice for you. Every time you see that sun in the morning, the first thing, remind yourself is the Lord will not fail. The Lord is with us. But, Zephaniah says, the unjust knows no shame. Uh, it's, it's a shameful thing when people live and celebrating the things that God hates. And that's really what happens in the world easily. Uh, but this is what's happening in the people of God. Because the, the, the church... Uh, and the, God's people, now the church, should be those who look distinct or set apart from the world. They are, they are God's holy ones, the ecclesia, the, the we are called out of this world to gather under the, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, this people of God in Jerusalem looked like the world. Look at verse 6. How kind was God to his people by showing what he was going to do to the enemies. Of God. Verse 6, I have cut off nations, their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste in their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. You will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. So he's saying, listen, I've done all this against the nations around you, all your enemies. I have cut them off. I have shown my justice and my power against them. Surely you, my people, will listen to me. Surely you, my people, will listen to my correction. Surely you will not be cut off from the land, even though I have all this against you. So he does this thing, this, this destruction out here against the nations so that the people of God would be awakened for their sin and turn back to the Lord. Look at verse, the end of verse 7. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. When I was studying this today, I just was reminded of how kind God is to us in our sin. Friends, there, there may be some of you here who are struggling with sin today. Can I remind you that God is not a God that wants to punish you? God is a God that wants to forgive you. He wants you to come to him. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. When Jesus drew near and he saw the city, he saw the oppressing city, he saw Jerusalem, he wept over it. When we turn our backs to God, He's not out there to try to, to smite us or to punish us. What does he want to do? He wants us to come back to him. So he, when he sees us running away from him, when he sees us sinning, he weeps. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they did not turn back to him. It says, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. This day you could have experienced salvation and peace with God. Oh, would you have turned to me? But now they are hidden from your eyes. They did not turn back. They did not trust God's invitation to come. 
So verse 8, Zephaniah chapter 3. Therefore wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey, for my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour upon them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. This is a message we've already seen, Zephaniah. We see that God is going to bring his just judgment upon the world, and no one will stand against them. It's interesting when you read this whole entire letter, maybe you can do it sometime this week, and just look at how, how many times God talks about gathering the nations, assembling together. There's something that God wants to do, and God, even now, what we do every single week is that we gather and we assemble. We gather and we assemble. Why? We, we say that we belong to Jesus every time that we do so, because one day God is going to gather and assemble all the people in the world. They're going to stand before him, and some to, our, to everlasting life and some to everlasting condemnation. Judgment is coming, but so is grace. So is mercy. Look at verse 9. For at that time, he says, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. Now remember, this is a, kind of that Bible 101, right? Out of the, the, the mouth, the heart speaks. So to change someone's speech is really to change someone's heart. I'm going to change their hearts that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. Now, who's he calling? Oh, who's he calling? From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers. The daughters of my dispersed ones shall bring my offering. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. Hear me. You will not be put to shame for the sins that you have done. Your lustful thoughts, your jealous hearts, your anger, you will not be put to shame for what you have done against the holy and righteous God. Why? For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall they be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. The reason why we are going to be a people who are humble and lowly, a people of pure speech, is because the Lord Jesus the person who was humble and lowly came to us and lived that perfect life and died in our place on the cross, was dead and buried, and God raised him from the dead. So Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. For I am humble and lowly. Jesus invites all of us tonight to come back to him. To, to, to not be like the proud city that says, I have it all together, that I, I, I'm okay, that I, I don't need correction, I don't need anyone to tell me anything. No, we need to humble ourselves and say, Lord, we desperately need you. We need your correction. We need your refinement. We want to live our lives for you. We don't want to be proud and exalted. We want to be humble and lowly like you. We want to be people who have no injustice and speak no lies, that have no dis, dis, deceitful tongue. We want to be a people who look like Jesus. Because he is our savior, he is our, our, our king, he is our redeemer. 
Because God is going to take people from every tribe, language, nation, and people, and they're all going to be gathered around the throne and sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. So let me just end with Revelation chapter 5. God's going to take people from all, he promised it in Zephaniah chapter 3, take people from all walks of life, all nations, and they're going to gather around the throne. So in Revelation 5 verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. For every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne of living creatures and the elders the voice of the angels, numbering myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, in the sea, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might, forever and ever. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be a humble people, that we would not be like those in Jerusalem that Zephaniah speaks, those who were proudful and lifted up, who rebelled against you. I pray that we would remember that we have rebelled against you and you graciously open your arms and invite us into your grace. We pray that we would follow that invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.